Hello, I'm Maria Titizian. And I'm Rubina Margosian, and welcome to the Week in Review for the week of July 28. In the news. The situation in Artsakh has reached a tipping point as 120,000 people continue to suffer under a total blockade imposed by Baku. Almost 400 tons of humanitarian aid dispatched from Yerevan has not been allowed to enter Artsakh. And authorities in Armenia and Artsakh continue to raise the alarm that if the blockade is not lifted, people will begin dying. The humanitarian crisis in Artsakh is now at a tipping point. For more than seven months, the Lachin Corridor has been under a blockade, and for the last 44 days, delivery of humanitarian aid by the International Committee of the Red Cross and Russian peacekeepers has also been blocked by Azerbaijan. Food, fuel, and essential medicines are almost completely depleted. As of July 25, public transportation in Artsakh shut down entirely, leaving residents, especially in the regions, stranded. Due to power disturbances and shortages, the drinking water supply is now at risk as well. Authorities warn that if the situation doesn't change, Artsakh will face a serious water supply shortage. Despite the calls and pleas by authorities in Armenia and Artsakh about the impending calamity, including ones from international actors, Baku continues to impose collective punishment on 120,000 people, including 30,000 children, 20,000 seniors, and thousands of pregnant women and people with disabilities and those with urgent medical needs. On July 26, the Armenian government sent off 20 trucks with about 400 tons of humanitarian aid to Artsakh from Yerevan. The convoy, according to the Deputy Minister of Labor and Social Affairs, includes flour, cooking oil, baby food, and other products, which will, you know, Rubina, even if this convoy is allowed to get in, it's only for one or two days, and they're not even allowing that to take place. It's uh, incredible. Well, while the convoy reached Kornizor and passed the Armenian checkpoint that evening, the evening it was sent out, this was July 26, it was not allowed passage. At the time of this recording, those trucks remain on the road. Vartan Sarkisian, a representative of the Armenian government task force managing the Nagorno-Karabakh humanitarian crisis, stated that they have appealed to the Russian peacekeeping forces to deliver humanitarian aid to Artsakh. He went on to say that there are no discussions about returning the convoy and that they are waiting for a response to organize the transfer of the aid to the people in Artsakh. You know, Maria, even though if it's going to last one or two days, it's going to save someone's life. Absolutely. It's probably going to save someone's life. You know, today uh, I was reading a status on Facebook by someone that we both know who's there in Artsakh. She's from Yerevan. And she was saying that people are having heart attacks. They can't get people who are on dialysis, people with kidney failure who need dialysis treatment can't have that treatment. So the basic fundamental rights of these people, of, of our people, are absolutely being obliterated. Pregnant women cannot go get to hospitals who are not in Stepanagert because yeah. there's no cars. Or I don't know if you saw that report by a TV station in Artsakh of this woman who at six months uh, lost her baby because uh, she was hemorrhaging and they couldn't get her to a hospital. Having said all this, the head of the European Union mission in Armenia, Marcus Ritter, together with EU monitors, has monitored the movement of the cargo on the road leading to the entrance of the Lachin Corridor from the Armenian side to get first-hand and verified information on developments. Well, before leaving Yerevan, the heads of diplomatic missions and representatives of international organizations toured the humanitarian relief trucks that were parked just outside of the 
Ministry of Foreign Affairs building. They inspected the types of goods that were included in the consignment of the cargo. Today, representatives of international agencies and diplomats visited Gornitzor. We just saw footage coming out of there, accompanied by Armenia's Deputy Foreign Minister Vahan Gostanyan and Governor of Sunik Robert Hugasyan. Well, Azerbaijan's response has been to call this a provocation and an attack on its territorial integrity and sovereignty. Azerbaijan's foreign ministry commented saying that if the Armenian side is really interested in peace and stability in the region, including if it supports the territorial integrity and sovereignty of Azerbaijan, not only in words but also indeed it should avoid such provocative steps, the Ardam Khangendi, which is what they call Stepanaget Road, and other alternative roads proposed by the Azerbaijani side to meet the needs of the Armenian residents are open, they said, and that the Armenian side should not hinder Azerbaijan's efforts to reintegrate Armenian residents. Well, Armenia's uh, Prime Minister Nikol Pashinyan uh, stated that Azerbaijan's refusals to allow the humanitarian aid to reach Artsakh corroborate Armenia's fears that Baku seeks to commit genocide in Nagorno-Karabakh, whereas Armenia cannot turn a blind eye to the situation that Armenians of Artsakh are facing, he said. Well, it's not the only attempt to kind of uh, get some food and uh, relief to Artsakh. The Armenian Foreign Affairs Ministry, in response to Azadichin, stated that they have also been actively discussing the possible solution to this crisis in Artsakh with the UN World Food Program. They also added that Azerbaijan is doing everything to prevent international organizations and agencies from entering Nagorno-Karabakh. Well, the day that this humanitarian convoy was dispatched from Yerevan, EU High Representative Joseph Borrell issued a statement about Nagorno-Karabakh saying that the EU, again, is deeply concerned about the serious humanitarian situation, that movement through Lachin remains obstructed despite the International Court of Justice's order to open it. He said, and this is a quote, medical supplies and essential goods are in short supply or have already run out with dire consequences for the local population. It is incumbent on the Azerbaijani authorities to guarantee safety and freedom of movement along the Lachin Corridor immediately and not to permit the crisis to escalate further. Borrell went on to say that the EU has taken note of the expressed readiness of the Azerbaijani authorities to also supply goods via the city of Ardam. This should not be seen as an alternative to the reopening of the Lachin Corridor. This is a very important statement that the EU finally made. The EU also notes that ICRC activities in the region have been heavily impacted and calls for their full resumption, including medical evacuations and humanitarian supplies. The EU stresses that humanitarian access must not be politicized by any actors. And in response, the Always, next day, yeah. Azerbaijani Foreign Ministry spokesperson Aykhan Hajizadeh commented on Borel's statement, saying that the presented approach towards the situation in the region is based on the propaganda and political manipulations spread by Armenia and is regrettable. Well, the Foreign Ministry of France voiced support for Borel's statement, adding that France deplores Azerbaijan's persistent blocking of the Lachin Corridor, which violates the commitments made within the framework of the ceasefire agreements and hinders the negotiation process. France demands the restoration of free movement along the Lachin Corridor in both directions and the continuous supply of gas and electricity to the population. The statement once again called on Azerbaijan to comply with its international obligations. 
The French ambassador to Azerbaijan, this was interesting, Rubina, tweeted in response to Borel's statement saying, it is incumbent on the Azerbaijani authorities to guarantee safety and freedom of movement along the Lachin corridor imminently and not to permit the crisis to escalate further. And you should have seen the commentary under that tweet. It was really quite disturbing. The justification for, for actually starving an entire group of people, an entire society. Well, according to the foreign minister of Azerbaijan, it's an infringement on their territorial integrity. <laughs> Well, European Parliament member Charlie Weimer is also referring to Borel's statement said that the passability of the Lachin Corridor is not obstructed by a natural force, but rather by the Azerbaijani authorities. He added, it is not about any actor or two sides, as we often heard in the past, but about Azerbaijan, which uses humanitarian access to meet its own goals. And, you know, a number of countries, including Spain, the Netherlands and others, they sort of welcomed Borel's statement and called on Baku to unblock the corridor. We've heard almost there's radio silence from the Americans. Uh, Secretary Blinken has not tweeted. They're usually quick to tweet. Neither has, or at least we haven't seen anything from uh, the U.S. Embassy here. So uh, Zaharova hasn't said anything. <laughs> either, right. On July 27, Armenia's ambassador to the U.N., uh, Meher Markarian, met with the UNICEF's executive director, Catherine Russell, to discuss the humanitarian crisis in blockaded Nagorno-Karabakh and its impact on the lives of children affected by the disruption of the Lachin Corridor and denial of of humanitarian aid by Azerbaijan. We're seeing like from with every possible avenue, from every possible uh, place. And it sometimes uh, feels like you're screaming into the void. And yes, some, you know, there are more voices now being raised as the imminence of what is happening is, is really becoming glaring. But still, unless there are very concrete steps taken, and that includes sanctions or threat of sanctions, you know, stop waiving Section 907 of in the United States, stop arming them, unless there are direct consequences for their actions, it's very clear that Azerbaijan at this point has no intention of stopping its actions. But I think we need to read the news. So Artsakh President Aray Karutunian stated at a press conference a couple of days ago that the Azerbaijani Karabakh conflict cannot be considered resolved until the underlying political issues, namely the people's security and issues related to the recognition and protection of rights, including the right to self-determination, are resolved. Harshinyan declared Artsakh a disaster zone and stressed that he expects an urgent international response and security, political, and humanitarian support from the international community, which must guarantee that force or the threat of force will not be used. He emphasized that effective mechanisms of international guarantees are necessary, which will ensure the fulfillment of the obligations undertaken by the parties. Artsakh's president said that Stepanagird also demands from Russia that it fulfills its obligations as security guarantor and demands that Armenia refrain from from any statement and action to recognize Artsakh as part of Azerbaijan, respecting the right of the people of Artsakh, um, their right to self-determination. Well, there was a short sit-in by Harutyunyan after this. However, he interrupted that because he said there was enough international response and en enough attention has been paid to the issue now. Well, in addition to uh, Harutyunyan's announcements during the press conference on July 27, the National Assembly of Artsakh convened a special session appealing to the member states of the United Nations with a request to recognize the independence of the Republic of Nagorno-Karabakh, Artsakh, stating that they are convinced that the only way to prevent the impending tragedy is to recognize the Republic of Nagorno-Karabakh's independence based on the principles of remedial sovereignty. And we have a number of articles on remedial sovereignty, gained sovereignty on our website. We've been talking about this even during the war, if you remember, yes. Rubina. 
and this issue keeps coming up and yet there's no action being taken on it. Maria actually kind of made a little list of the, uh, oh, all did the articles that we have. Well, we have by Societatikian, remedial uh, secession in the program and statements of the political forces competing in Armenia's elections. This was during the elections, what the political forces were uh, in Armenia were promising and remedial rights in international law and their relevance to Artsakh. This is again by Societatikian from 2020. We have the limitations of remedial secession and the need for remedial sovereignty by Nerses Kopalian. This is from 2021. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the responsibility to protect. I mean, that's another legal approach that could be implemented. Well, on July 25, the International Committee for the Red Cross, the ICRC, released a statement noting that despite persistent efforts, this is their quote, it is not currently able to bring humanitarian assistance to the civilian population through the Lachin Corridor or through any other routes, including Ardham. It called on decision makers to allow the ICRC to resume its essential humanitarian operations in that area. So Azerbaijan insists that Ardham be used to deliver humanitarian aid and yet does not grant access even to the International Red mm-hmm. Cross to use. Well, ICRC's regional director for Eurasia, Ariane Boyer, added, our humanitarian aid convoys are a lifeline for the population population in this area. With these convoys blocked, our concern is that the humanitarian situation will further deteriorate. The ICRC is continuing its bilateral dialogue with the sides and stands ready to continue its humanitarian work once such a consensus is found, the statement concluded. Azerbaijani Foreign Ministry responded to the statement, saying that they took note of the statement. The response added that the Armenian side refused the Azerbaijani offers of using the Adam Khan Gendi road to provide humanitarian assistance. Again, this is they also urged the ICRC to comply with the humanitarian mandate of the organization and refrain from the abuse of its mandate for political purposes. You know, it's, it's the irony of them telling the ICRC what their man- their humanitarian mandate should be. Well, Artsakh's human rights uh, ombudsman Keram Stepanyan welcomed the ICRC, raising the alarm about the situation in Artsakh, but called on it to stop attempts to legitimize Azerbaijan's baseless proposals to provide humanitarian aid to the people of Artsakh via the Ardam Road. And this is important. I think we need to stress because it's like the torturer, while they're torturing you, saying, oh, here, have some food, here, have a glass of water. It's it's insulting and it downgrades the, the very principles of their human rights. And this is something that needs to be stressed, I think. And also this political thing that Armenia is hindering this. Armenia is not agreeing to this or we could have or they're not. No one's asking. Well, would the Artsakh people have actually said no to this kind of assistance? But there, the provocation continues as is the Armenian side. While we'll read about it later, that Armenian authorities are saying it's not up to us to decide whether or not this road should be used. Well, they should just unblock the Laching Corridor. Well, that's the whole point of this uh, week in review. I think everyone <laughs> Every is saying the s- same for seven thing. seven months, yes. Following the ICRC statement, Freedom House urged Azerbaijan to allow the ICRC to provide vital humanitarian assistance to Nagorno-Karabakh and immediately work to ensure freedom of movement by opening the lodging corridor, guaranteeing unrestricted movement of individuals, vehicles, and cargo. On July 26, Toivo Klar, EU Special Representative for the South Caucasus, tweeted, The ICRC is doing a tremendous job in very challenging circumstances on the ground. It is important that they are able to operate freely. The EU is taking their warnings seriously. Well, having said all of this, there are like some exceptions. Uh, mm-hmm. Usually every once in a while, there's an exception. On July 22, 24 and 27, 35 patients have been transferred through ICRC to from Artsakh to hospitals in Armenia. But according to authorities in Artsakh, 200 patients are still waiting for their turn to receive treatment in Armenia.
And I think we talked about this last week, how once they're treated, they want to go back to Artsakh. It's like wanting to go back into a prison. Uh, and it just shows the resiliency of the people of Artsakh to want to live uh, in or peace on their lands. Wanting to go back to where you can't recuperate. Yeah. Also, kind yeah, of, right, kind of struck me really hard yeah. at that thought. Well, the International Federation of Journalists and the European Federation of Journalists called on the authorities of Azerbaijan and Russian peacekeepers to ensure the free movement of journalists in Artsakh. The Federation posted that journalists Anthony Bellinger and Mushfik Alaskarli tried to reach Stepanagert but were stopped uh, by the Azerbaijani army just 100 meters from the Russian checkpoint. And we'll talk about this federation in a bit when we talk about the media Armenia's human rights defender Anait Manasian urgently appealed to international organizations and actors as well this week, urging them to take effective measures to prevent the impending ethnic cleansing. According to her office's statement, a thorough examination of Azerbaijan's actions unequivocally reveals its intent to forcibly remove the Armenian population from Nagorno-Karabakh exasperating the ongoing humanitarian crisis. The dire situation is leading to irreversible consequences, including loss of life. The rights of individuals, particularly those belonging to vulnerable groups, are being persistently violated, encompassing fundamental rights and freedoms, such as the right to life, security, freedom of movement, access to food, mental and physical health, adequate standards of living and education. Additionally, the dignity of the population, which is a fundamental principle and cornerstone of human rights, is continuously under threat. On July 24, in an op-ed in the French newspaper Le Monde, Armenian Prime Minister Nicole Pashinyan wrote that the international community should undertake bold steps to stop the Sarajevo-style siege of Nagorno-Karabakh. Pashinyan stated that the biggest obstacle to peace is the aggressive and illegal actions of Azerbaijan. And as expected, the following day, Azerbaijan's foreign ministry responded to Pashinyan's op-ed, saying he made, quote, groundless allegations about the situation in the region. They also urged Armenia to stop intervening in the Azerbaijani attempts of integrating the Armenians living in the sovereign territory of Azerbaijan. Earlier in the week, uh, Prime Minister Pashinyan had also given an interview to France Press. He stated that Armenia's territorial integrity, sovereignty, and the rights and security of the Armenians of Nagorno-Karabakh are the most important for Yerevan in negotiations with Baku. Pashinyan once again emphasized the need for uh, Stepanagert-Baku dialogue within the framework of international mechanisms. While Baku accuses Yerevan of obstructing the peace process, the Prime Minister said that Azerbaijan's continued aggressive rhetoric hinders the process of negotiations. New escalations, new wars are always likely, which does not mean that it will happen, but it also does not mean that it will not. And Maria, coming back to the Ardam uh, humanitarian mm-hmm. assistant road issue, Pashinyan said that he did not discuss the question because he does not have the mandate to do so. I have a mandate to discuss the issue of the Lachin Corridor because it was created by the Declaration of November 9 of 2020, of which I'm a signatory, he said, but not. Uh, the, basically, the Armenian government is saying this is up to the people of Nagorno-Karabakh to decide. Right. And this Baku-Stepanagir dialogue, again, it's very important to note that this has to be done within a framework of an international sort of oversight body because the sides are so uneven in the power structures. So we're not saying to we're not saying that the authorities in Artsakh should just go and have conversations, but there has to be an international mechanism for this. Well, so far, a couple of attempts have failed because once it was that the authorities, Azerbaijani authorities, expected people from Stepana, the authorities from Sukul to Baku, mm-hmm. which was not a fair ground of negotiations. Mm-hmm. Another time, Artsakh said that the preconditions to dissolve the Artsakh Defense Army were not acceptable. And therefore, they wouldn't participate. They wouldn't participate. 
Yeah, it's a very tough situation. On July 23, Armenia's third president, Serge Sarkisian, sent an open letter to the leaders of the United States, France, and Russia, urging them to help stop the humanitarian crisis in Artsakh and force, quote, the dictator to open the road of life. This week, also, Serge Tankian, the frontman of famous System of a Down Band, uh, drafted an open letter calling on Azerbaijan to unblock the Lachin Corridor and stop the oppression of the people of Artsakh. He stated that although everyone condemns the blocking of the Lachin Corridor, no one is taking action to change the situation. Yeah, he went on to make a, a number of comments about, you know, everybody's reading about Ukraine, but they don't know what's happening in Artsakh and how the Azerbaijani leader, who was praised by Ukraine's President Zelensky for helping Ukraine with energy supply, has, quote, put a chokehold on the people of Artsakh and has invaded the sovereign territory of Armenia. He called this as hypocritical. Uh, the letter was also signed by other notable entertainment industry figures, such as Peter Gabriel, Roger Waters, Tom Morello, Stuart Copeland and many others. Well, you know, sometimes when artists and intellectuals are involved, they can speak much more freely and openly than when diplomats are involved. So it's it's also kind of very important to have a diversity of voices. Absolutely, absolutely. And demonstrations continue in Armenia and Artsakh. On July 25, simultaneous ra- uh, rallies attended by thousands were held in Yerevan's Freedom Square and Stepanakert's Revival Square, calling for unblocking of the Lachin Corridor and supporting Artsakh's right for self-determination. The rallies concluded with uh, marches to the military cemeteries of Stepanakert in Artsakh and Yerabulur in Armenia. At the Stepanagird rally, Artsakh State Minister Gurgen Nersesian demanded that Armenia refrain from recognizing Artsakh as part of Azerbaijan. He added that this approach will not be able to ensure the existence of the people of not only Artsakh, but also Armenia itself. Rallies in uh, Freedom Square and in front of the UN offices in Yerevan uh, continued throughout the week. Uh, people are still gathering food, medicine, and other essential supplies, urging the UN to take action and transfer them to Artsakh. Uh, hunger strikes also continue in front of the UN offices. The demonstrators are also periodically blocking streets in Yerevan as short of an awareness-raising campaign. Well, on July 25, amidst all of this, the foreign ministers of Armenia and Russia had a bilateral meeting in Moscow. Arat Mirzoyan and Sergei Lavrov discussed the security situation in the region, the worsening humanitarian crisis, the lack of food and medicine, the urgency of concrete steps. Earlier, Sergei Lavrov also met with the foreign minister of Azerbaijan to discuss Russia and Azerbaijani regional issues and the process of regulating relations between Azerbaijan and Armenia. Following that meeting, Bayramov only said the parties are conducting active negotiations on various platforms, but the results are not as active, but it would be wrong to say that they do not exist at all. Well, uh, Russian Foreign Minister Lavrov spoke about the results of that trilateral meeting with the foreign ministers of Armenia and Azerbaijan. He shared that Russia is a key mediator in the peace process since the signing of the November 9, 2020 ceasefire statement is interested in resolving the crisis as soon as possible in full accordance with all of the statements that have been signed over the last three years. They spoke about ensuring unhindered movement, unblocking transport and economic communications throughout the region. According to Lavrov, the Armenian side understands the need to convince the Armenians of Nagorno-Karabakh to meet as soon as possible with the Azerbaijani representatives to agree on the rights arising from the relevant legislation and from international obligations, including numerous conventions on ensuring the rights of national minorities. Lavrov added that Russia hopes that the negotiation process will continue. Moscow understands the interest of both the Armenian and Azerbaijani sides to rely on mediators 
and not only the Russian Federation, but also others, Russia welcomes the desire of those who are sincerely interested in helping Baku and Yerevan, uh, but there should be no attempts to artificially impose certain agreements not based on the interests of the Armenian and Azerbaijani people, but for the sake of beautiful headlines in the media and geopolitical and domestic political considerations. Uh, Lavrov said. Russia will work on preparing further meetings and there are plans to hold another summit for the leaders of Russia, Azerbaijan and Armenia this year, Lavrov said. The Russian side underscored the need for a swift unblocking of the Lachin Corridor and restoration of normal life of the population of Nagorno-Karabakh. The following day, I mean, after that trilateral uh, meeting in Moscow, uh, Artsakh's president, Aray Karutunian, said that the results of that meeting were not acceptable for Stepan Agerti, called on countries and international organizations to follow Armenia's example and send humanitarian aid. He also ended his sit-in, as you said, Rubina, earlier, arguing that it has produced some results in attracting international attention. And Armenia's President Wagen Khachatrian attended the summit of the European Corporate Council of Africa and the Middle East in Rome, where he delivered a speech which also conveyed the situation in Nagorno-Karabakh. There is a real threat of ethnic cleansing of Armenians uh, by Azerbaijan, and there is an urgent need to address these issues for fundamental rights and security of the 120,000 Armenian population in Nagorno-Karabakh, he stated. You know, interestingly, there's nothing more to say other than to say the same thing from right. every possible right. platform, right? Right, right? Well, he added that Azerbaijan continues the blockade of Nagorno-Karabakh, enjoying complete impunity. In light of this humanitarian catastrophe, we cannot remain silent and indifferent, but should act decisively and without delay to prevent the looming tragedy, he said. Khachaturian also met with UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres within the framework of the UN Food Systems Summit. During the meeting, Khachaturian discussed with the Secretary General the threats of the humanitarian crisis in Artsakh because of the blockade. And again, Rubina, at every platform, at every opportunity, Armenia's and Artsakh's leaders, uh, all of us, everybody, we've been trying to uh, raise the alarm. All of this, ceasefire violations in Artsakh continued. Today, Azerbaijani forces violated the ceasefire in the Shushi region using small arms. On July 25, the ceasefire was violated near the Lachin Corridor. There were no casualties or injuries, luckily. The Minister of Defense of Russia reported these ceasefire violations. Well, the day before, a farmer in Marduni was targeted by Azerbaijani forces. The 64-year-old was working in his field when he came under fire. He did not suffer any injuries. The Russian peacekeepers were notified of the incident. On July 23, Azerbaijani soldiers opened fire in the village of Sarushan, where farmers were harvesting their crops. I mean, it's this, this kind of, of violence uh, is incomprehensible because, okay, there's no dairy, there's no meat, right? I mean, none of that. At least let them, you know... Pl- get their tomatoes and their eggplants so that well, they can... During the rallies with the live monitors, uh, Stepan Agert, Yerevan disconnection, and the uh, state minister uh, was speaking in, in Stepan Agert, and he was also kind of saying that uh, Artsakhsis in the last two years have doubled their agricultural efforts, uh, almost like anticipating, and like just... Even this is... Even that, mm-hmm. that is po- uh, impossible, like... Um, Maria, just coming back to those rallies, when... Every second person was crying, and it was difficult to watch. And you know, we were crying. I mean, it's it's impossible. Even though it was almost like such a helpless cry. Yeah, it was supremely uh, emotional. Although we've been trying to be very rational, but it was a sense of futility almost, and and that was. That's exactly what got to me really, because when you're trying to be very kind of 
intellectually looking for what's the message, what's the ask, what's the demand, mm-hmm. what's happening. What so everyone in Armenia knows what's happening. Everyone in Artsakh knows what's happening. Is the international community looking? Yes, they know. They've done their statements. What's going to happen? And yet this thing is happening. It was almost like this collective need uh, for an emotional response to what's happening because... Uh, I was thinking that the whole time, you know, they're they're talking in Armenian their demands are being expressed in Armenian, which they should be. But who are we talking to? Was it just for us? Was it for the world? So there was a lot of mixed frustrations and emotions in, in, in those rallies. On with the, the news. news. Um, on July 24, Armenian Foreign Minister Art Mirzoyan met with the Iranian Foreign Minister Hussein Amir Abdullahian in Tehran. The ministers discussed the development of bilateral cooperation as well as relevant regional and international issues. In a joint press conference after the meeting, the Iranian Foreign Minister stated that Tehran is interested in establishing peace in the South Caucasus and expressed Iran's readiness to hold a meeting in the 3 plus 3 format with the participation of Armenian and Azerbaijani officials. During his visit, Mirzayan also met with the president of the Islamic Republic of Iran, Ibrahim Raisi. The sides continued discussing the bilateral relations of Iran and Armenia and issues of regional security. And later during the day, Iran's foreign minister also stated that Aliyev assured that Azerbaijan has not been and will not be a supporter of creating a corridor and closing the historical corridors between Armenia and Iran. But then a few days earlier, he he, start, he had gone off again on the Zankezur corridor. <laughs> well, on July 21, Secretary of the Security Council of Armenia, Armen Grikoryan, met with the Russian Foreign Ministry's special envoy for supporting the normalization between Armenia and Azerbaijan, Igor Khovayev. Grigorian and the Russian official discussed the situation around Nagorno-Karabakh and underscored the rights and security of the Armenian population in Karabakh as a priority. On July 26, the relatives of missing servicemen from the 44-day war uh, shut down Pagramian Avenue for about two hours, demanding a meeting with the prime minister, uh, claiming that nothing has been done to find their children. They're continuing to demand answers about where their children are and why there hasn't been enough efforts. And of course, their frustration is absolutely understood. And in light of this, you know, there have been some investigations launched and charges against a number of military personnel, especially a case in Zankelan when Armenian, a group of a uh, unit of Armenian soldiers were surrounded and some were able to escape and some were killed. They don't know what's happened to the rest. And this is just one case, uh, obviously, but this is an ongoing issue in the country. Well, Maria, one case is that during the 44-day war and uh, precisely on October 21 of 2020, 62 contract soldiers from uh, Commander Apkaryan's unit received orders to go to Zangelan, where they arrived. Azerbaijanis were already positioned there and uh, they were in siege. 22 of the 62 soldiers were able to escape the siege, but part of the remaining 40 soldiers were killed. 23 are still considered missing, and this is just 23 people. Right, we, we don't, don't know yeah, what have happened. no idea. Well, the body of Murat Grigorian, a serviceman in Armenia's armed forces, was found on July 26 with a fatal gunshot wound. According to the investigative committee, Grigorian's machine gun was found lying on the ground next to him. Criminal proceedings have been initiated in connection with the incident to clarify the circumstances of his death. And this week also, Hikmet Hajiyev, advisor of Azerbaijan President Ilham Aliyev, met with the ambassador of India to Azerbaijan. Hajiyev noted that Baku is concerned about deepening military cooperation between Army and India. He spoke about recent press publications that Indian-made weapons are being sent to Armenia through the territory of Iran. According to Hajiyev, this hinders the establishment of stable peace and security in the South Caucasus region. Meantime, the president of Azerbaijan, I just have to say this, is, is announced... 
announcing in front of international media in Shushi that Azerbaijan is militarily even stronger than it was two years ago uh, during the war. But Armenia is not allowed But to. Armenia is not allowed Of course to. not. Well, Armenia's defense minister, Suren Babikian, also received India's ambassador to Armenia. Two days before that, they discussed the progress and development of bilateral cooperation in the field of defense, as well as a number of issues related to regional security. Speaking of <laughs> coming back to my previous outburst, Azerbaijani President Ilham Aliyev was in Shushi this week to participate in the Shusha Global Media Forum, where more than 200 reporters from 50 countries were taking part. In a speech during the media forum, Aliyev announced that by 2026, 140,000 people will return to the territories taken during the 44-day war. He added that the signing of a peace treaty by the end of the year is quite possible if Armenia agrees to make no claims to any part of Azerbaijan's territories. A number of international organizations called out Aliyev's forum for being a sham, taking into consideration its dismal record on human rights, freedom of speech, and freedom of press. Reporters Without Borders criticized it as an expression of the limitless hypocrisy of Ilham Aliyev's regime, as independent media and journalists were kept away from the event. Azerbaijan ranks amongst the least freest places in the world by Freedom House, and the uh, Reporters Without Borders rank it 151 out of the 180 in press freedom. A group of Armenian media organizations issued a statement, said the forum was held with the sole purpose of legitimizing Baku's foreign and domestic policies, and asked participating journalists whether it is not in their professional duty, perhaps, to demand freedom of movement from the Azerbaijani authorities in order to witness a tragedy that's happening, you know, a few kilometers away. Just to put into context, I'm sure a lot of people heard about it, and we published an article called Aliyev organizes a media show in uh, Shushi. So he has journalists in Shushi and like five kilometers away in Stepanagert. There's no food, no medicine, no gas, no fuel, no public transportation. Women are miscarrying. Children are being malnourished. And they were having kebabs. They were having kebabs. Yeah, you can see Stepanagert. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Because we've both been there multiple times and we know how close it is. And it was just, it was absolutely insulting. And as journalists ourselves, it was just a little incomprehensible. It was just uh, a big propaganda show. Anyway, Maria, also kind of, we're going off uh, too much today, but in right. Sheila Palian's piece this week, where she's talking about how the UN Charter will consider any agreement that's reached under threat of use of force or the use of force void. So therefore, kind of like putting this whole uh, negotiations process under question. Question, yeah. yeah. But Aliyev actually made the remarks that would really put all the negotiations process under question during a media forum in front of 200 journalists. So-called journalists. So-called journalists. Well, and also on July 24, Aliyev announced that 70% of the works on the Azerbaijani part of the Zangezur corridor are completed. What is he talking about even here? Although Yerevan considers the usage of the Trenzargezur corridor as a territorial claim of Armenia's territory, Baku insists on getting a road to Armenia's Sunik region that will connect it to Nakhijevan. Yet, just sending humanitarian aid to Artsakh through the Lachin corridor, for example, is an infringement on Azerbaijan's territorial Territory integrity. integrity.
Well, Armenia will not participate in the Collective Security Treaty Organization. This is the CSTO military exercises planned in Belarus at the beginning of September. This was announced by the Ministry of Internal Affairs of Armenia. And during the last two years, Armenia has repeatedly expressed its disappointment after it did not receive any support to protect itself when Azerbaijani forces invaded the sovereign territory of Armenia in September of 2022. Although according to Article 4 of the CSTO Treaty, if any member state is subjected to aggression by any other state, it will be considered an aggression against all treaty participants. In case of aggression against any of the members, the remaining participating states will provide the necessary assistance, including military assistance. And this is not the first time Armenia is kind of uh, dropping out of the CSTO agenda. Uh, last May also, Armenia's Defense Minister Suren Babikian did not participate in the Council of Ministers of Defense sessions of the CSTO held in Minsk. And also, there were supposed to be uh, military exercises in Armenia much earlier, and Armenia said it was not the right time for us to be mm-hmm. hosting. Well, China apparently supports the sovereignty, independence, and territorial integrity of Armenia. China's Deputy Foreign Minister uh, Mao Zhaoxi said in Beijing on July 21, according to the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, Zhaoxi stressed that the key to maintaining peace and security in the region is a settlement of conflicts through peaceful negotiations. Armenia's Deputy Foreign Minister Manatsakan Safarian, who was in China, presented Azerbaijan's policy of using force against the Republic of Armenia and Nagorno-Karabakh, which he said undermines the efforts of the Armenian side for peace and security in the South Caucasus. So this was the kind of week... I think this week is a culmination of our frustration. And I think everyone heard it in our voices and, and how we yeah, were I going think we should off. should start an editorial podcast <laughs> Maybe. and uh, not go off script so much during the week in review. Yeah, but I mean, I think our listeners will understand the unbelievable amount of news and information that we have to absorb every day, every minute, and the frustration that we feel. But having said that, we have published some really stellar articles this week. If there's anything that we can do or we should do is amplify some of those articles. It's from Sheila Pailan, international criminal human rights lawyer. We're publishing a piece by um, Societatikian today. We've published a piece by Foreign Affairs Minister Zorat Manatsaganyan. We've published multiple, multiple articles on, you know, the responsibility to protect, on remedial sovereignty, on the rights and security of the people of Artsakh. Amplify those articles, share them with your circles, share them with your friends. This is important. We need to consolidate all of our energy in making sure that this catastrophe that is really happening, really, really happening, is somehow mitigated, somehow stopped, and that Azerbaijan is called to task and uh, lifts the blockade of Nagorno-Karabakh of Artsakh. So, having said that, have a safe and peaceful weekend, and we will try to be back again next week. Thank you.